Welcome to Tunes and Tumblr Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Like, share, and subscribe to the show and Atwood wherever you poison your eyesight with blue light the most. I'm your host, Anthony, and I'm coming to you yet again from my personal quarantine prison with my bunkmates, Jameson and Carver. They may be stuffed penguins, but they're also my dearest friends in the whole world right now. Tom Hanks ain't got nothing on us. Theirs aren't the only voices I'm hearing today, though. We're joined by Jamie Tracy of the punk rock band Brain Anchor for an exclusive quarantine session of their song New Park off their EP Die Young. If punk's got you feeling nostalgic, boy, do we have a treat for you today. But first, I need to introduce my partners in crime, and no, they are not penguins. They're my intrepid co-hosts who have been sending me messages and bottles every weekend that we then weave into podcast episodes for all you lovely TNT fans out there. Don't ask us the science behind that, but say hi, gentlemen. Uh, hey, Ryan, your music connoisseur. What up, Pedro, your mixologist. Thanks for joining me after a nice little vacation, guys. We've been gone for, uh, what, two weeks now, so how did you spend your weekend off? What did I do? I can't even remember at this point. <laughs> I probably slept. We had a week off. Spent a lot of time on a on a bicycle, which is probably ill-advised given the air quality, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go running this morning, and I stepped outside, and it smelled like I was inside of a campfire. I'm like, this is probably a bad idea. So... Just do some laps around your living room. Yep, putting tape on all of my windows and doors. The climate apocalypse happened quickly, but um, I, I think like uh, that might be a little too political for a music show. Maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe. maybe just a tad. Maybe. Yes, but <laughs> so I think it's time we got back to what we do best. Mitch isn't not paying us for nothing. Let's see what happened in music this week. So I know I said we weren't going to get political, but I'm just going to drop a political story really quick. Continuing our theme of these stories since it's an election year after all, John Fogarty, former frontman of Credence Clearwater Revival, spoke up about President Trump's use of the band's song Fortunate Son at a recent rally. Rolling Stone reported that Fogarty found the president's use of the classic song confounding in a video he posted to Facebook on Friday. Fortunate Son played as Trump walked off Air Force One in Freeland, Michigan on Thursday, a choice that understandably raised some eyebrows on social media, considering Fogarty's blunt lyrics about class privilege, patriotism, and the Vietnam draft. Fogarty himself said he wrote Fortunate Son in 1969 after he had been drafted himself and done his own stint in the military. He noted that during the draft, however, people of privilege frequently use their position and influence to avoid service. I found that very upsetting that such a thing could occur, and that's why I wrote Fortunate Son, Fogarty said. And although he didn't mention it specifically, Fogarty was likely alluding to the fact that Trump famously received five deferments to avoid service during Vietnam, four of which were for education and a fifth for, quote, bone spurs. Not to stir the pot here, but during congressional testimony, Trump's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, said that the president had made up the fake injury to avoid serving. And as a personal aside, this is hardly the first time Fortunate Son has been misunderstood. People tend to use it as a shorthand for patriotism since it has the lyric wave the flag in red, white, and blue. Um, And it appears in war movies and sounds pretty damn cool on a loudspeaker. So I guess they chose just not to notice the themes of those movies, but okay. 
Uh, that's enough for my story. Uh, one of you guys want to take the helm? Yeah, I think that goes nicely into mine. Um, this one comes from Andy Green via Rolling Stone. With less than two months to go until the presidential election, Pearl Jam are stepping up their efforts to engage fans in the process with the announcement of PJ Votes 2020. A big part of the initiative involves asking their audience to accept the Take 3 pledge of Vote by Mail, Recruit 3 Friends, and Don't Wait. Uh, it's about reminding people that their voice matters and their voice can make a big difference, as Pearl Jam bassist Jeff immense. Like a lot of things, if you find out that your good friends are doing something, you become more curious about it and more invested in it. What we found with voting is that when the people you're living with, your family, your best friends are voting, you tend to vote as well. Sort of activism dates back to Pearl Jam's earliest days, beginning with their 1992 Drop in the Park Seattle concert where they registered thousands of voters in the run-up to the Bill Clinton-George H.W. Bush election. When I started playing music, it was punk rock that gave me the confidence to play, says Ament. Part of the thing that inspired me so much was these bands were involved politically. Somehow gave the music more gravity and made it more meaningful. And that's it for me. Pedro, you want to take the reins? Can do. Uh, In our What the Fuck segment of the news, new (laughs) (laughs) new Facebook rules could prevent artists from using the platform to live stream their performances. Uh, the new guidelines state that users are no longer allowed to, quote, create a music listening experience. The rules will go into effect on October 1st and could result in artistic videos being blocked or their pages taken down from Facebook altogether. The guidelines state that, quote, we want you to be able to enjoy videos posted by family and friends. However, if you use videos on our products to create a music listening experience for yourself or others, your videos will be blocked and your page, profile, or group may be deleted. This includes live. The use of Facebook Live and other live streaming platforms has greatly increased over the last few months because I don't know if you guys knew this, but there's a pandemic and people can't really go to concerts right now. So virtual no, concerts, really? Yeah, so virtual concerts have become the new norm. Uh, with live streaming even getting more and more sophisticated with time, um, some artists have even started charging for their live stream shows. TNT favorites BTS broke the Guinness World Record for most viewed concert live stream back in June. So it's safe to say that live stream shows are pretty popular. And so I'll bring it back to the question, what the fuck is Facebook doing? TNT guests Talker and Lucy Clearwater have been doing a lot of live streaming concerts in quarantine. So I kind of want to hit them up and be like, what the heck is going to happen now? There's a few more too. I know Jacob Jeffries has been doing that as well. So like, what are artists supposed to do right now? Yeah, I imagine it's more so for, like, DJ sets, I'd imagine. Uh, That's probably where Facebook gets into trouble. Like, lots of takedown notices come if you're not clearing that stuff for Mm. broadcast. But I imagine bands, I mean, hopefully, I don't know what... The the thing is, music listening experience is such a vague phrase. Yeah, That's where the trouble lies, I think. But ideally, bands will just be able to say, to submit documentation saying they own the rights to the music they're going to play live. That should be the end of it, but... Who the hell knows? Just sounds like Mark Zuckerberg never got invited to a lot of concerts when he was younger, and he just hates <laughs> that everyone gets to enjoy them. But uh, now that that's out of the way, I think it's time we kicked off our shoes and turned on that boombox. Ryan, what tape are you throwing in the deck today? Ooh, I like that. I'd actually love to hear this on cassette. Uh, today we are listening to Misery Guts by Australian alt-rock artist Alex Leahy, originally released on her 2019 album Best of Luck Club but most recently included as part of the brand new Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 soundtrack. Ooh. 
I don't know about you, but this is instantly bringing back a lot of memories. I used to play Tony Hawk on the PlayStation at my dentist's office when I was like 10 years old. I mean, that in the <laughs> Star Wars pod racing game. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember those games. I, don't, I didn't have video games in my dentist's office. I had uh, like the Farside books and uh -huh. weird Hallmark quote collections in mine. Sounds like a pretty fancy office. It was not actually that fancy. I, th I thought that everyone had this experience with the dentist, but I guess that's what growing up in Napa Valley is like. You walk in, <laughs> and it's clearly a child's dentist's office. They had, like, you know, the carpet that was, uh, um, like, you know, the streets in the town that you could, like, oh, put the yeah. cars on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they had, like, toys. But then you went into, like, this little side room, and there were three TVs set up, and each one had a different video game system. So you okay, could, like, Anthony sit down... <laughs> That's a fancy what? office. <laughs> that is absolutely a fancy office. When I became an adult and started going to like an adult dental practice, I'm like, what the fuck is this? There's just like, <laughs> they don't even have a Game Boy in the, in the waiting room. Anyway, Peasants. Yeah, I think I'm getting away from myself here. Uh, I think we should do shots before we start talking about Tony Hawk and about Alex Leahy. Um, oh, yeah. Which is something I definitely didn't do when I was 10 years old. Uh, what do you have for us, Pedro? All right. So listening to Misery Guts, um, I really like it. it and it, I think it goes perfectly with the video game from what I remember of it. Um, there's a couple parts of this song that sort of uh, really inspired me for, for making this shot. So one of the first ones, one of the lines she has is, uh, you got champagne taste with a beer can budget. And I, mm. love, I love that lyric. Um, so I kind of wanted to make something that is basically completely classless and then dunked into like a fancy lie. Um, so this shot, we're going to be dropping into something sort of like a depth charge. Um, so that's where I started with that. And then another lyric I really liked is uh, where she mentions uh, trying to bleed the stone. Um, and this is an expression I've heard before and in at least like one or two other songs. Um, so I looked into it and, um, it's a phrase, it's an expression that means, you know, something that you cannot obtain, uh, regardless of how much force or persuasion is used. So it's, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's something that's hard to get. So I kind of liked the idea that imagery of like the blood from the stone. And then of course the title is misery guts. So I wanted something, uh, that sort of reflected that. So what we have for the shot is we've got red jello, whatever flavor you like, as long as it's red smashed up really well to give it sort of a chunky thick texture mixing it with cranberry juice for a little extra color and flavor and then peach snops because that's something i think of when i think of a uh that's that's something i think of when i think of like lowbrow drinking is like peach schnapps and like schnapps and stuff like that so um low that's brow? the brow oh, yeah. fired um i mean it's not lowbrow's not bad but you know it's sort of the thing you drink when you can't buy your own liquor and it's the thing your parents never touch in the liquor cabinet. So you grab it. Um, so I wanted to Fair like, loss, honestly, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so that's in the shot. And then that shot is getting dropped into a glass of champagne. Um, and so that's sort of the champagne taste with the beer can budget, uh, aspect of it. And I'm calling this drink a bleeding stone. Ooh, brilliant. You know, I, I'm not one to play favorites on this show, but I think this might be my favorite shot that you've created for the Century Club series so far. That Same. sounds absolutely incredible and right up my alley. It sounds like a lot of fun too. Like it's a good, it's a good shot you can take with a lot of people, and it's always fun to chug something. 
whenever restaurants open back up and I'm able to go out to brunch, I'm going to ask for this instead of a mimosa. Like there mimosas for the table. Like, have you ever heard of a, a, a bleeding the stone? <laughs> See, that's exactly what I wanted, though. Like you take something like champagne, which is sort of a, some, you know, some people consider it more elevated as far as drinking. And then you just drop this chunky jello shot with peach snops in it. And I, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Bottoms up. Cheers, gents. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So big nostalgia trip today. I mean, we're talking about a game that I think all of us have played like 20 years in the past, maybe even more recently. Um, I definitely remember having it on my Game Boy Advance. That was the first version that I was able to play around with. And it was different, but it still had some of the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we start talking about the music and about uh, Alex in particular, I just want to know, what was your guys' first experience with the Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise? This was a game Uh, I only played at friends' houses for the most part. I never owned it. Um, You know, I was limited to more family-friendly games, such as Extreme Sports with the Berenstain Bears and Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure. Um, (laughs) Those are real. real? Look them up. Look them up. uh, uh, So this was a game uh, exclusively played at friends' houses, friends who had walk-in snack cabinets and such, usually, for some reason. (laughs) And, uh, or and dentist's had, office like, uh, with playstations yeah exactly who went to the dentist played playstation in the dentist office had to go to the dentist a lot because they ate too many dunkaroos in their fucking walk-in snack cabinet <laughs> uh, anyway but i i remember the music specifically for it i think it was like the first time i'd ever heard anything uh rel- like i first heard ska i think for the first time and that and mm. punk so that was kind of my introduction to to a lot of the bands on it, which I think is a lot of people's experience, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that was mine. Yeah. Um, I was reading a um, an ESPN retrospective of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and the writer, he's like, yeah, I grew up like, you know, upper middle class, and I wasn't exposed to a lot of this music. And he said because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, he, like, remembers going into the city to see Real Big Fish on a school night. <laughs> and so yeah like like you said ryan like this was a lot of people's first um foray into ska music yeah absolutely did you did you play this game pedro yeah i did you said real big fish right now i'm having flashbacks to some shows from way back in the day they were fun um but yeah i i remember playing this like at my cousin's houses and then i remember like very specifically playing it on playstation at uh my friend Danielle's place once. Um, I think this was like a little later. Like it was already like after high school, I think. And I was like waiting for her to get ready because we were going to go somewhere and I was just playing it in the living room. And I was like, dang, this game is still really fun. Like years later, I'm still really bad at it, but it's a good time. And the soundtrack's great. So you just want to like keep playing it. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. It's a fun game. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the main reasons I was only allowed the handheld version is because my parents were very very strict about the type of movies media video games everything that i was allowed to consume until i was like 15 years old so like i wasn't allowed to listen to any um parental advisory music i was only allowed to watch disney channel and pbs until i was like 13 and then i could watch cartoon network 
I, I understand. I missed out on a lot of stuff, guys. Um, <laughs> this is why but, you're so into kids, Bob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's not confuse the narrative. Ryan turned me on to kids, Bob, but it, you know, I would be amiss <laughs> oh if God. I didn't say that they were jams. That's the most um, damning statement anyone's ever made about me. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan turned me on to kids, Bob. <laughs> That's a horrible like, soundbite. All, all credibility <laughs> out the window. <laughs> You know, we're going to lose some subscribers, but we'll more than make it up in, you know, the, the kids-friendly circles. <laughs> we don't need Fairweather fans. Yeah. <laughs> no. One of the reasons I was allowed to um, have the handheld version is because there was a toggle you could switch to turn off the blood. And, like, I showed that to my mom. Like, hey, if I have this on, like, I don't get to see blood when they, like, wipe out. And she's like, fine, I guess I'll buy this for you. Um, <laughs> so you missed out on the best part. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Quick history for um, anyone who may not be as familiar with this game as we are. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater first came out in 1999. And just for a little bit of background, these were the biggest hits of 1999. We had Believe by Cher, uh, Will Smith's Wild Wild West from that really like oh, uh, weird blockbuster. <laughs> wow. That he turned down the Matrix to do. I just want that on the record. He turned down the Matrix so that he could make Wild Wild West. Um, but besides that, there was Baby One More Time, uh, Genie in a Bottle, TLC came out with No Scrubs, Santana teamed up with... Um, oh, Rob Thomas? Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 for Smooth, and we had Livin' La Vida Loca. So, like, this is a very defining era for pop music and very, mm. like, kind of loud, bombastic pop music. And then along comes this game, and... Music has always been a big part of skating culture, especially as skating moved from vertical to street, which was something that happened through the 90s. And just very quickly, vertical skateboarding was moving from horizontal to vertical. So like going up inclines and performing tricks like on pools. And that was really popular in the 70s. And then through the 90s, people started using urban obstacles like stairs and handrails, planter boxes, basically everything you use in the Tony Hawk's pro skater game. And as that happened, like, you know, these kids started listening to a lot more like hardcore punk and some ska punk and like pop punk, street punk, like all of these underground music genres became synonymous with skating. So like when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out, like this is what they wanted to do. And they had a soundtrack that was like pop punk rock, but like more heavily on the punk, like alongside Superman by Goldfinger, which was a lot of people's favorite song we also had things like police truck by the dead kennedys these songs that you know um suburban kids like living in in like their cul-de-sacs would never have heard so i know that a, like both of you guys kind of came around to some of this music um because of the game do you remember any specific songs that stand out as like part of your uh musical evolution thanks to this game Anarchy in the UK. Um, I think that was like the first time I heard that song. Was that was on Tony Hawk? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And I, I just remember, I just remember hearing it, and I was like, I mean, you're trying to play the game right, but you can't help but like be taking in the music at the same time, which I think was really interesting about the game. Like on a side note, like you, no matter how focused you were on like controlling the little character, like you took it all in at once, which was pretty cool. Anyway, um, I just remember hearing the voice coming from, uh, coming from the song, and I was like, what, 
was like, what's with this guy? It was just so jarring and like, it sort of like made me uncomfortable in a good way. You know, it was something I wasn't used to hearing and I, I just really liked it. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I heard that song. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Who's this Brit rolling his R's and what's he on about? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think that was my intro to Primus. Jerry was a race car driver. Um, oh, wow. The weirdest, I think probably the most out of place song on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, in my view, I mean, so much of it is punk and ska punk and pop punk and such, at least on the first one. The second one, I think, got more into uh, kind of the rap rock funk thing that was going on with like Rage Against the Machine and um, uh, some, of the, some of the other folks on there. But, but Primus, that song was so strange to me because it had come out actually in 91 uh, mm-hmm. and this came out in 99. So that, that one kind of blew my mind because I didn't know that was just was... That like knocked me out, and I didn't really actually revisit Primus till much later, um, till high school, and, t- and then really appreciated the brilliance of them. Um, but yeah, the great, great inclusion on that soundtrack, and I think Les Claypool of Primus has even said some people only know who come to see them. That's like the only Primus song they know. So like the legacy of this game is is for real, and I think up until that point there hadn't really anything, there was no precedent really for it. Yeah, I don't think we would have something like Guitar Hero without something like Tony Hawk coming before, people realizing that uh, music and games could um, be a big selling point. And and not even that, like I think nowadays like a good um, analogy would be the FIFA games. And I don't personally play a lot of sports games, but I do have a few friends who do like the thing where they'll like restart the game like the FIFA game over and over again until they get the one song that they want and then start playing and I know a lot of people did the same thing with Tony Hawk which is so funny and it made sense I guess during the time because I don't think um LimeWire was or uh uh Napster was quite prevalent just then I think it was sort of on the rise but music wasn't as accessible as it is now mm-hmm so you had to maybe go buy the CD, but if you didn't want it or you didn't have the money to, you know, if you didn't have enough allowance that week to buy the Dead Kennedys, uh, you know, Rotting Vegetables album, then you just turn on the game and get to that level. So it like yeah. encouraged more gameplay. Um, so yeah, really fascinating how it did that. And I don't think the makers of the game or Tony Hawk, anyone anticipated the success of it. Yeah. Because skateboarding was still pretty underground, I think, at that point. The addition of, you know, real music as opposed to uh, music made specifically for the game and stuff like that, it sort of probably added to the experience for people who, like, weren't actually skaters, people who just played video games and, like, stayed inside all day. It sort of probably made them feel a little more in touch with the real deal, you know, which is pretty pretty fascinating to me. Um, yeah, it, the, the choice to, to use real music is always pretty interesting to me. When it comes to like a game. I I was reading this writer for NPR. She was talking about um, when she first came across these games and like um, listening to this music. And she was talked specifically about the adolescence amoeba. And she thought that like during the chorus that he's shouting Tony Hawk and not amoeba. And she's like, whoa, like he got like this really cool punk song like written for the game about him. Wow. How'd she hear that? I don't know. <laughs> Good lord. So I I kind of want to uh, shift the conversation a little bit more to our our artist for the day. 
Alex Leahy, obviously the music landscape is very different 20 years out from the original game. Like we can literally listen to whatever we want, whenever we want. Um, how do you think that that changes the way that people are going to interface, especially with the new artists? Kind of a, a big question, but you know, w- what do you guys think? It's probably just going to be, um, it won't incentivize the same kind of gameplay. I mean, I haven't played the new version of it, so I guess I can't really speak to that. But in terms of the music, it's probably safe to assume it'll be a lot of, you'll hear a song you like, you might Shazam it if you want to make a note of it, but it's probably just going to be, you won't even really have to add it to your own playlist necessarily because the Spotify playlists already exist for it. The soundtrack got announced before the game came out, so you could kind of see what was on it before the game, you could even play the game. So it's it's interesting. It kind of that playlist element takes on a life of its own, I think. Um mm-hmm. so that's how I imagine people will experience it. It's probably gonna turn a lot of people on to people like Alex Leahy who hadn't heard of her much before. I mean I'd heard of her but hadn't really gone that deep until we decided to listen to the song for the podcast. So and uh yeah, I really like what she's doing. They understand how how big of a piece the music was and it makes me wonder if like maybe the music part of it overshadows the game part of it you know what i mean by playing it over and over you're kind of you're you're forcing the songs in your head over and over again which if you play a song enough times in your head even if you find it annoying it can get stuck in your head and you might want to return to it no matter you know if it has a basic pop structure Mm -hmm. i feel like it's going to stick with you no matter what if you play the game a lot I think it's interesting that they included some songs from the old game as well. Not all, but they included mm-hmm. many of the same artists and songs that appeared, you know, Bad Religion's You and Police Truck and um, uh, Less Than Jake and such. It's interesting seeing all the songs on, a, um, on one playlist, like back-to-back with the, with the newer songs on it. It would have been interesting just to like have one that just had the new songs, you know? Because I think mm-hmm. that's what everyone was wondering, why, right? We wanted to, like, if you're a true fan of the game, you want to hear all the new stuff, like the new bands who are on it, right? So I think it's interesting that it's, like, all kind of meshed together with the older stuff, too. It's an interesting listening experience, contrasting the past and present. Yeah. And I think that that makes it kind of ride the line between bringing punk rock to a new generation of teen gamers or just purely making it a nostalgia trip. It makes mm-hmm. me wonder if that was, like, big concern to the developers um i mean obviously the music seems to be like their main selling point for this game yeah yeah we we want to get we want to get the people who played this back in the day but we also want them to have their like kids play it and enjoy it now exactly that's the that's the attempt it seems like is to try and get as many people and i think they did a great job i mean imagine how stressful the process must have been Maybe not stressful, but exciting. I mean, because they, the influence they have is uh, remarkable. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. how many people were vying to be on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everyone. <laughs> 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 yeah, and the thing is, like, punk used to be uh, the the voice of the counterculture, um, especially. I mean, like, there was, like, kind of a, a weird blurring of the line, especially with Warp Tour capitalizing it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But obviously, the underground has changed a lot since the turn of the century, and even skating has changed a lot 
there's a whole new roster of of skaters. They're a lot more diverse and they have um, a lot more diverse taste. Um, do you think that punk rock still has the potential to be the voice of the counterculture in this way, this specific sound, like hard-edged garage rock like Alex Leahy does? Or does punk even have a specific sound anymore? Um, what do you guys think? Well, that, that's sort of the tragedy of punk from like the birth of punk, of the Sex Pistols being kind of turned into this kind of nine-month joke to sell clothing out of Malcolm McLaren's boutique in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think uh, that takes away from the effect it had on, on how many people it influenced. And to me, um, actually to quote Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys, punk is more of a spirit. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this so many times on the show. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to say, I, think it's, I mean, it's a big concern for us. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's a concern necessarily, but it's an, <laughs> it's an interesting thing to, to contemplate for sure. I mean, to quote him, he says there's always going to be punk in some way. The sound of punk and the look of punk, it's not necessarily part of it anymore. You know, he points out that boy bands look like Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious and pop punk yeah. bands look like boy bands, or sound like yeah. boy bands. So the spirit of it goes way back, though, you know, and can be traced way further back. Punk was just, I think, a term used to commodify it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it goes back to the 60s. And his point is it's, it's the spirit is where you find it, basically. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's lost a lot of meaning in terms of a genre to me at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah. Maybe it's time for it to be reborn, to die and be reborn. That's what K-pop, that's, it's what K-pop is. K-pop is bringing it back. No, I'm just kidding. K-pop is the new punk. <laughs> no, oh absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, but we did dis- we did discuss that's it. That's the quote discuss of the it. episode. That's <laughs> all I'm gonna write in the episode description. Oh please, K-pop no. is Get, the new punk. Guess who said it? Um, <laughs> to me, it's more of a state of being than than anything else than a sound or anything like that. Um, like Ryan said, it's just sort of used to commodify it. And we even talked about this last week when we were discussing. Um, kind of commercial spaces in the wellness community. And I don't know if we're ever going to have an answer to this question, but I, I guess it it begs to be asked again because we're talking about a, a big intellectual property in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater pushing punk rock, uh, some of which has radical messages like the Dead Kennedys police truck. Um, mm-hmm. And does that commercial space undermine the message or can it be a means to an end? And can we ever really know for certain if it's one or the other i mean you can i guess you can interview people to see what effect it had on them and their political beliefs but i feel like there's not hasn't been a whole lot of journalism done in that regard Mm. Um, i feel like both i feel like it's sort of a mix i mean the dead kennedy's inclusion is is really interesting because the band i mean they have a very tortured history um jello biafra's label alternative tentacles no longer has any control over the Dead Kennedys catalog. Uh, he lost it in a lawsuit in the early 2000s, and there were band disputes about him. Jello didn't want to license a song for a Levi's ad. The rest of the band did. So it's a huge mess uh, in that regard. Um, I feel like you could have a whole episode about the song of Police Truck. But if you, I mean, I think if, you, if there are a significant number of people who heard Police Truck and actually heard the message beyond Ride How We Ride, because unfortunately, you're just going to have people who hear that and go, oh, that's cool, and play that mm-hmm. when they drive fast in the car. You know, mm-hmm. That's just going to happen mm-hmm. no matter what. You're going to have people yeah. who just take away the, the chorus like that. Yeah. But if you, if you have somebody who hears that, 
and goes a little bit deeper with the Dead Kennedys catalog, gets the whole album, looks at a lot of the imagery and learns about some of the stuff and listens and goes deeper, kind of like we talked about with Rage a couple of weeks ago, um, then that's, uh, that's worth it to me. Um, and I think also, to be fair, they didn't know, I don't think anyone really knew back in the day what the game was going to be, you know? It was probably just like, at that time, if you were a punk band, like Goldfinger, or not necessarily a punk band, but a smaller band, you were like desperate to get any kind of promotion. Mm -hmm. And they probably thought, oh, a kid's skateboarding game, that's not going to go, sure, why not? Like, let's do it, you know? I think it's a different conversation nowadays. Like, if Jello had more control of the catalog, um, or had like more of a relation to this game and the Dead Kennedys as a band, he'd probably have something to say about Activision, uh, who made this game and the whole Blitzchung controversy, where they punished that mm-hmm. Hong Kong player, you know? I think it's all really interesting, and it's, it's going to be part of my ongoing uh, thesis that I'm writing for Mitch, all about the intersection between activism and uh, commercialism. <laughs> You're going to say activism and Activision. Yes, that's the intersection, is Activision. Um, For those of you who have never heard Police Truck, I'm going to be dropping the link to that in our description. And go deeper than Ryan said, ride how we ride, and see if you can find the anti-capitalist call-out of American police brutality, which is especially uh, prescient now. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Which is, but that's a great point. That's a great answer sort of to the question in some way, right? Where how much an effect did a song have how many songs and like protest songs from the last, you know, century are still addressing issues that still exist? Mm-hmm. Like cops, like that that song completely relates to what's happening today. You know, with stuff coming out like where there is actually proof of gangs existing in police forces. Mm-hmm. You know, like here in here in Southern California in L.A. Absolutely. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, the the hope is that you can reach people that way. And, you know, uh, I've heard of some people, you know, the I think a great example is a band operating within capitalism, but then kind of turning on its head is the group um, Chumbawamba, who licensed oh, yeah. uh, I Get um, Tub Thumping yeah. uh, for, I think, maybe it was a Coke ad or well, whoever it was, a big conglomeration. They got like uh, half a million or something for the ad and they donated literally 100% of the money they got to an organization that was fighting against um, bad practices that that corporation was doing. (laughs) So they gave the money (laughs) from them to go against them, basically. So I feel like there are ways to, you know, to deal with that, to operate within it. Mm Mm-hmm. Sort of like hiding your it's sort of like hiding your dog's medicine in like a treat. <laughs> that is a great way of putting it. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's really what it is, right? You're you're putting in these these things that are uh, effective and that people actually need, but you're sort of sugarcoating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I believe in that in that method for sure, with dogs or with, you know, <laughs> uh the elderly putting pills and cut up bananas and such, or um or whatever, you know, and through uh, music, I think it's, you know, it might not have the direct effect that some people want, like a purist mm-hmm. might want, and some people, you know, might find, see that as a betrayal, you know, in the scene. I know, Anthony, you've noted in the outline that 
fans of the dead Kennedys definitely saw that, you know, uh, saw it that way. Um, but you know, uh, hard decisions to make and it's not always, not, not always easy or straightforward choices. And if you have the potential to radicalize kids in the suburbs, I mean, why not take it? I, I (laughs) tend to agree. (laughs) Um, we're kind of running out of time here, but this has been a really great conversation. And unfortunately we didn't get to talk specifically about Alex as much as I wanted because she is one of my favorite new artists. I've been on her bandwagon since 2017. Uh, I love you like a brother. Um, few great songs from that album if you want to check them out uh they all deal with like early 20s mid 20s malaise um post-college uh kind of like directionlessness uh mm. realizing that relationships don't work for you but being stuck in them regardless so check out every day is the weekend um and uh the song i love you like a brother which shares a chord progression with blitzkrieg bop but uh i i think that it's a really good update on that and talks a lot about familial love and it being just as important as romantic love. And of course her new album, uh, the best of luck club. Love that one. Um, especially the lead single, uh, don't be so hard on yourself because especially now when we're in quarantine and we are finding the motivation to do the bare minimum, uh, it's good to remember not to be so hard on yourself. And, uh, there's a great sax solo right in the middle of it that she does herself. So, uh, please check her out. I am a big fan. You guys too. I'm talking specifically to the two of you, Andrew. Okay, well, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I do <laughs> want to call out one line that uh, I I loved in the song, which is uh, in uh, "Misery Guts," which is the one we're listening to, which is "You're an old hotmail account that will never be renounced because you hold Dude. things that can't be ignored." <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great oh line for so for so the many spe- reasons. The uh, specificity. I mean, props to um, the folks behind choosing this on one level, too, because I don't think I, it couldn't have been a mistake. I mean, that line is so yeah. perfect because, right, like if you you can basically guess someone's age pretty accurately if they have a still have a Hotmail account or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like when did it start? Like 96. So that's like such a great throwback to that to that time, I feel like. So whether that was conscious or not, I love that in terms of the inclusion of this game, but also a really creative, specific line from Alex that makes uh, an aging an aging punk kid feel still, uh, feel like they can relate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys still have a Hotmail account? I don't want to talk about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my parents. They still have Prodigy accounts. Oh, my goodness. Prodigy. Wow. Yeah, my my Netflix login because I trade like I pay for the HBO and the Hulu and my parents pay for the uh Netflix is a Prodigy account login. <laughs> Damn, that's cool. <laughs> I still have an uh, earthlink.net email. Earthlink? I'm just oh my God. I'm just kidding, I don't. I never had that. <laughs> or one of those old AOL CDs. I found one of those in my drawer the other day, oh, which probably man. means I need to do a, a big old purge of my office. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get on GeoCities and see if you can unsubscribe from AOL's junk CDs. <laughs> oh, God. That just gave me a physical reaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, I'm not going to take up any more of your guys' time, but thank you once again for joining me on a Saturday. Uh, any uh, closing thoughts before we turn things over to our musical guest? I think this song blends really well with like the original soundtrack of this game. So you should definitely check out the remastered game and the soundtrack. Uh, indeed. Second that. And I want to close with a quote by Alex herself. She was talking specifically about um, her album, The Best of Luck Club, and about how she sees all of the songs on it as different characters in a bar. She says, the world's one big dive bar, and we're all just walking on the same sticky carpet. We're all figuring it out together, and we're all just trying our best. I think that's a good um, throwback to when I could go to a bar, and it makes me miss it even more. There's carpet in the dive bar? Have you never been to a, a dive bar with carpet? Because I definitely have. And even in Santa Barbara, where we went to school. Oh. <laughs> that sounds awful. It's the best part of a dive bar where you can see all the stains on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stepping in a Cape Cod. Gross. That's a great, that's a great quote. I think that'll be one for the ages. It'll be on, it'll survive on WikiQuote and any quote book to come out in the future. I think it's a great one. Yeah, she's great. Listen to her music. Okay, so anything to plug you guys or are we still on the same, the same routine? <laughs> Pretty much same routine, I think. Yeah, same routine, baby. The occurrence every Saturday night, 8 to 10 p.m. KCSB. At Jimmy Christian on Instagram if you want art stuff. And Devin and I have been taking a bit of an extended hiatus, but hopefully we are going to be back soon with more editions of I Hope This Finds You Well on Medium. Well, thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast. Be sure to like the show and Atwood on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. Tunes and Tumblers was produced as always by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Before we go, we're going to keep the underground music theme going. We're joined on the pod today by Jamie Tracy of the DIY punk band Brain Anchor. They just dropped their debut EP, Die Young, last year, and Jamie is here to perform their song, New Park, which is actually about skateboarding. So throw on your remaster of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, mute the soundtrack, and line up this exclusive quarantine performance of Brain Anchor's New Park. Cheers. 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 Hey, guys, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And Anthony, and we are Brain Anchor. Um, I have been experimenting with some cocktails this quarantine. And I came up with my own drink. It's a tiki drink. It's called the Hakalugi Jaime. It's uh, there's no real measurements or anything. It's kind of eyeball it, but there's uh, you put some booze in there, a little a little dark rum, about probably about a shot and a half, and then maybe about a shot of triple sec, and then fill it up with some pineapple juice, and then top it off with cranberry juice. And uh, it's probably a drink already, but there, there you have it, the Hakalugi I mean. And uh, we're going to play two songs for you today. This is, uh, the first one's called New Park, keeping in theme with today's episode. It's about skateboarding. And then a second one that doesn't have a name. Maybe it's, maybe it's Eternal Flame. I don't know. But enjoy.
Thanks for listening, guys. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook at Brain Anchor Band. Uh, check out our EP, Die Young. And we're supposed to be playing on January 8th at the Whiskey A Go Go, opening for Agent Orange, who was on the original Tony Hawk soundtrack. So check that out. Thanks, guys. <laughs>